Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Presented by the Salvation Army. This Christmas, you're invited to join our fight for the hungry, the homeless, and the hopeless. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army. Or visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to donate. Mathematician Terence Tao cracks a dangerous problem. Tao has made huge progress on the Colette's conjecture, a simple-seeming puzzle that has bedeviled hapless mathematicians for decades. By Kevin Harnett. Experienced mathematicians warn up-and-comers to stay away from the Colette's conjecture. It's a siren song, they say. Fall under its trance and you may never do meaningful work again. The Colette's conjecture is quite possibly the simplest unsolved problem in mathematics, which is exactly what makes it so treacherously alluring. This is a really dangerous problem. People become obsessed with it, and it really is impossible, said Jeffrey Ligarius, a mathematician at the University of Michigan and an expert on the Colette's conjecture. Earlier this year, one of the top mathematicians in the world dared to confront the problem, and came away with one of the most significant results on the Colette's conjecture in decades. On September 8th, Terence Tao posted a proof showing that, at the very least, the Colette's conjecture is almost true for almost all numbers. While Tao's result is not a full proof of the conjecture, it is a major advance on a problem that doesn't give up its secrets easily. I wasn't expecting to solve this problem completely, said Tao, a mathematician at the University of California, Los Angeles. But what I did was more than I expected. The Colatz Conundrum Lothar Colatz likely posed the eponymous conjecture in the 1930s. The problem sounds like a party trick. Pick a number, any number. If it's odd, multiply it by three and add one. If it's even, divide it by two. Now you have a new number. Apply the same rules to the new number. The conjecture is about what happens as you keep repeating the process. Intuition might suggest that the number you start with affects the number you end up with. Maybe some numbers eventually spiral all the way down to one. Maybe others go marching off to infinity. But Colatz predicted that's not the case. He conjectured that if you start with a positive whole number, and run this process long enough, 
all starting values will lead to 1. And once you hit 1, the rules of the Colette's conjecture confine you to a loop. 1, 4, 2, 1, 4, 2, 1, on and on forever. Over the years, many problem solvers have been drawn to the beguiling simplicity of the Colette's conjecture, or the 3x plus 1 problem, as it's also known. Mathematicians have tested quintillions of examples, that's 18 zeros, without finding a single exception to Colatz's prediction. You can even try a few examples yourself with any of the many Colatz calculators online. The Internet is awash in unfounded amateur proofs that claim to have resolved the problem one way or the other. You just need to know multiplying by 3 and dividing by 2 and you can start playing around with it right away. It's very tempting to try, said Mark Chamberlain, a mathematician at Grinnell College who produced a popular YouTube video on the problem called The Simplest Impossible Problem. But legitimate proofs are rare. In the 1970s, mathematicians showed that almost all Colette's sequences, the list of numbers you get as you repeat the process, eventually reach a number that's smaller than where you started. Weak evidence, but evidence nonetheless, that almost all Colette's sequences incline toward one. From 1994 until Tal's result this year, Ivan Korich held the record for showing just how much smaller these numbers get. Other results have similarly picked at the problem without coming close to addressing the core concern. We really don't understand the Colette's question well at all, so there hasn't been much significant work on it said Kanan Sandara Rajan, a mathematician at Stanford University who has worked on the conjecture. The futility of these efforts has led many mathematicians to conclude that the conjecture is simply beyond the reach of current understanding, and that they're better off spending their research time elsewhere. Colatz is a notoriously difficult problem, so much so that mathematicians tend to preface every discussion of it with a warning not to waste time working on it said Joshua Cooper of the University of South Carolina in an email. An unexpected tip. Ligarius first became intrigued by the conjecture as a student at least 40 years ago. For decades, he has served as the unofficial curator of all things Colatz. He's amassed a library of papers related to the problem, and in 2010 he published some of them as a book titled The Ultimate Challenge, The 3X Plus One Problem. Now I know lots more about the problem, and I'd say it's still impossible, Ligeria said. Tao doesn't normally spend time on impossible problems. In 2006, he won the Fields Medal, math's highest honor, and he is widely regarded as one of the top mathematicians of his generation. He's used to solving problems, not chasing pipe dreams. It's actually an occupational hazard when you're a mathematician, he said. You could get obsessed with these big, famous problems that are way beyond anyone's ability to touch, and you can waste a lot of time. But Tal doesn't entirely resist the great temptations of his field. Every year he tries his luck for a day or two on one of math's famous unsolved problems. Over the years, he's made a few attempts at solving the Colax conjecture to no avail. Then, this past August, an anonymous reader left a comment on Tal's blog. The commenter suggested trying to solve the Colette's conjecture for almost all numbers, rather than trying to solve it completely. I didn't reply, but it did get me thinking about the problem again, Tal said. And what he realized was that the Colette's conjecture was similar, in a way, to the types of equations called partial differential equations that have featured in some of the most significant results of his career. Inputs 
and outputs. Partial differential equations, or PDEs, can be used to model many of the most fundamental physical processes in the universe, like the evolution of a fluid or the ripple of gravity through space-time. They arise in situations where the future position of a system, like the state of a pond five seconds after you've thrown a rock into it, depends on contributions from two or more factors, like the water's viscosity and velocity. Complicated PDEs wouldn't seem to have much to do with the simple question about arithmetic, like the Colette's conjecture. But Tal realized there was something similar about them. With a PDE, you plug in some values, get other values out, and repeat the process, all to understand that future state of the system. For any given PDE, mathematicians want to know if some starting values eventually lead to infinite values as an output, or whether an equation always yields finite values, regardless of the values you start with. For Tau, this goal had the same flavor as investigating whether you always eventually get the same number, 1, from the Colette's process, no matter what number you feed in. As a result, he recognized that techniques for studying PDEs could apply to the Colette's conjecture. One particularly useful technique involves a statistical way of studying the long-term behavior of a small number of starting values, like a small number of initial configurations of the water in a pond, and extrapolating from there to the long-term behavior of all possible starting configurations of the pond. In the context of the Colette's conjecture, imagine starting with a large sample of numbers, your goal is to study how these numbers behave when you apply the Colatz process. If close to 100% of the numbers in the sample end up either exactly at 1 or very close to 1, you might conclude that almost all numbers behave the same way. But for the conclusion to be valid, you'd have to construct your sample very carefully. The challenge is akin to generating a sample of voters in a presidential poll. To extrapolate accurately from the poll to the population as a whole, you'd need to weight the sample with the correct proportion of Republicans and Democrats, women and men, and so on. Numbers have their own demographic characteristics. There are odd and even numbers, of course, and numbers that are multiples of three, the numbers that differ from each other in even subtler ways. When you construct a sample of numbers, you can weight it toward containing certain kinds of numbers and not others. And the better you choose your weights, the more accurately you'll be able to draw conclusions about numbers as a whole. Weighty Choices Tal's challenge was much harder than just figuring out how to create an initial sample of numbers with the proper weights. At each step in the Colette's process, the numbers you're working with change. One obvious change is that almost all numbers in the sample get smaller. Another Maybe less obvious change is that the numbers might start to clump together. For example, you could begin with a nice uniform distribution, like the numbers from 1 to 1 million. But five Colette's iterations later, the numbers are likely to be concentrated in a few small intervals on the number line. In other words, you may start out with a good sample, but five steps later it's hopelessly skewed. Ordinarily, one would expect the distribution after the iteration to be completely different from the one you started with, said Tao in an email. Tao's key insight was figuring out how to choose a sample of numbers that largely retains its original weights throughout the Colette's process. For example, Tao's starting sample is weighted to contain no multiples of three, since the Colette's process quickly weeds out multiples of three anyway. 
Some of the other weights Tao came up with are more complicated. He weights his starting sample toward numbers that have a remainder of 1 after being divided by 3, and away from numbers that have a remainder of 2 after being divided by 3. The result is that the sample Tal starts with maintains its character even as the Colatz process proceeds. He found some way to continue this process further, so that after some number of steps, you still know what's going on. Sundara Rajan said, When I first saw the paper, I was very excited and thought it was very striking. Tal used this weighting technique to prove that almost all Colatz starting values, 99% or more, eventually reach a value that is quite close to 1. This allowed him to draw conclusions along the lines of 99% of starting values greater than 1 quadrillion eventually reaching a value below 200. It is arguably the strongest result in the long history of the conjecture. It's a great advance in our knowledge of what's happening on this problem, said Ligarius. It's certainly the best result in a very long time. Tal's method is almost certainly incapable of getting all the way to a full proof of the Colatz conjecture. The reason is that his starting sample still skews a little after each step in the process. The skewing is minimal as long as the sample still contains many different values that are far from one. But as the Colatz process continues and the numbers in the sample draw closer to one, the small skewing effect becomes more and more pronounced. The same way that a slight miscalculation in a poll doesn't matter much when the sample size is large, but has an outsize effect when the sample size is small. Any proof of the full conjecture would likely depend on a different approach. As a result, Tal's work is both a triumph and a warning to the Colatz curious. Just when you think you might have cornered the problem, it slips away. You can get as close as you want to the Colatz conjecture, but it's still out of reach, Tal said. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.